Buongiorno e benvenuti. Hello, welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast uh, for Sportsnet. I'm not even a fan. I'm your host, William Lou. Uh, once again, still on vacation, uh, so I'm catching up on this game uh, between the Raptors and the Celtics. Uh, it was the game start was 1:30 a.m. local time here and uh, here in Bari and. Um, yeah, so just not going to cover that live. It's just not possible. Um, you know, I'm not that much of a sicko. However, I did set an alarm to wake up this morning a little bit early in vacation and uh, made sure to navigate the uh, hellscape that is the NBA app and uh, make sure to, you know, catch up on what happened. Because when I woke up, there were a lot of messages from people being like, you're going to be really excited to see this specific game between the Raptors and the Celtics in preseason where the Raptors won by a score of 125 to 119 in overtime. And, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised that uh, people recommended this game to me because it, it really was a really great game uh, within the context of the game itself. However, the actual preseason portion of it kind of divides into two, right? Because, look, let's say if the Celtics played their regulars the whole time, Raptors would have lost. This is a classic game that we've seen in TD Garden over and over and over again. Honestly, not even just in TD Garden, just against the Celtics in general where the Raptors um, miss every three. Don't get calls when they drive because, you know, the Celtics at home uh, get a friendly whistle. And, and you know what, I, I, you know, I, I know I vowed to be a change man when I had referee Victor on Victor Young on the podcast earlier this season. And I'm going to try to be, however, when, against the Celtics, I'm going to have to make a special exception for the Celtics at the TD Garden because uh, they can get every single charge call possible. Meanwhile, the Raptors get a clear cut charge. From DJ Wilson at the end of the game that should have sealed it in regulation. But, oh, no, 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 that that has to be overturned uh, upon reflection because they went to the review and saw that a Raptor actually took the charge instead of a Celtic this time. But, uh, listen, putting aside all that stuff, classic Raptor-Celtics game. Um, Raptor-Celtics game will go one of two ways, okay? One is they play super hard. It comes down to the very end, and then the Raptors make one or two more plays, and they win it. That's the only way the Raptors win. And then the, the way the Celtics win is usually um, the Raptors shoot two of 18 in the first half from three, which is exactly what happened here. And uh, meanwhile, the Celtics make every single three at the top of the floor, which, again, they, that, that's what happened, what happened here today. So you kind of got to break this game down to two parts. First half of the game was the most instructive part. And unfortunately, that's also the part where the Raptors got uh, destroyed. Um, there were a lot of moments where I thought the game they sort of – were playing out of character. Uh, they weren't really getting uh, a lot of shots um, to, to drop. And, of course, that sort of forces them to press more. And even though I thought the Raptors defensively started really solid, I thought the rotations were strong. I thought the, the, there's a clear point of emphasis for me uh, in terms of defensive rebounding with the starting group. Obviously, that's the one that doesn't have a natural big or even like Precious and, and Chris out there. So they got to make a special effort to sort of pinch in on the defensive glass. And you're seeing that, um, especially at the start of games, you're seeing like, let's say a shot goes up, two guys immediately sandwich uh, the the big on the baseline. Like let's say Al Horford in this case, right? Two bigs, two, two Raptors immediately sandwich that big, which is exactly what you're supposed to do. And then a third um, Raptor is hanging around the baseline uh, and trying to crash in for the loose ball. And so, like, the defensive rebounding was strong. I thought uh, the uh, defensive rotations were good as well at the start of the game. Um, you know, you know, one rotation kind of stuck out in particular where uh, Fred's guarding the Marcus Smart in the pick and roll. OG is on Al Horford. Horford comes to set the screen. Fred is obviously pressuring Marcus Smart. 
Uh, Horford sets a sort of a late screen kind of thing where it, it really does clip Fred. It just, again, classic uh, classic play from a big, especially a, a seasoned big like, like Al. Just a really good screen. Got Fred, um, you know, hung up on the screen. OG comes up to pressure. Of course, that's what the Raptors do. Just pressure the ball all the time. Marcus, knowing this, smartly uh, drops off the pass to Horford, who has a pretty open lane to roll for the finish and but uh he can't actually make that finish because scotty barnes who is operating the top of the floor so this whole action is happening on the side on the left scotty's guarding the three-point line i think he's guarding tatum at the top so obviously he's hugging more closely sees this happen and makes a lightning quick rotation from the top of the floor uh to uh meet al horford mid-air even though scotty is jumping from behind and he's having to take like three steps and horford's got to take two uh, and Scotty's able to block him, right? So it's a lot, a lot of good defensive rotations happening. I thought uh, Jalen Brown obviously was uh, excellent in this game, and he kept the Celtics in it early with a lot of like, ISO scoring, which honestly good for him, right? But he can do that, of course. But um, I thought the Raptors defensively were solid in their first shift. However, as the sort of second quarter rolled around, that's where I thought the Raptors were really disappointing, and I think. If I'm going to be completely honest about it, if we're going to put this much expectation on Scotty Barnes, it's got to be fair game to to critique his game. Um, and what I what disappointed me most about this entire game, you know, waking up at 8 a.m. and watching this, and, and not just the NBA app or not just the uh, the officiating at TD Garden, uh, is Scotty Barnes running point. So the Raptors rarely do this, but this being preseason uh, and this being a year where you know. Scotty's talked about how much he wants to take the next step. You know, Nick Nurse has said, we will give him an opportunity to take the next step, right? So this is what taking the next step looks like for Scotty Barnes. There are no point guards on the floor. As in, Fred Van Lee's not on the floor. Malachi Flynn's on the sideline with a shield on his cheek that really looks like the power meter uh, from Dragon Ball Z. Um, Delano doesn't check into the game until four minutes left in the third quarter. I'll get to that in a second. I thought he played amazing. Um... And so Fred's not on the floor. There's no point guards. There's also no point forward. So Pascal's off the floor and, and, and things like that. It is Scotty by himself running point, right? The secondary quote-unquote point guard would be more with Thad Young. And obviously Thad Young is a ball handler, a distributor, but for the most part, he's there to sort of settle in the offense, right? He's off the ball. You give him the ball a little bit. He's able to redirect passes, but he's not going to break down his man. He's not going to get a screen and sort of operate pick and roll that much, right? He's just there to sort of um, just, again, just be a secondary creator, really, right? The main playmaker there is Scotty Barnes. And there was a four-minute stretch there. I think Nick went to this lineup roughly about a minute left in the first quarter. And then he called timeout uh, to change up that lineup at maybe three, four minutes into the second quarter. So, like, roughly a four-minute period there. That's where the game got lost from the Raptors. The Raptors were in it tight against the Celtics. The Celtics were up, um, you know, in the first quarter. Um, I don't know why I can't see the the box score here, but, um, you know, everything was going fine in the first quarter. Everything was going fine. Celtics were up 27 to 22. They made more threes than the Raptors, so that kind of was the difference. Uh, The Raptors made zero and the Celtics made three. Whatever, right? Uh, things were mostly even. However, when they went to this Scotty Barnes at the at the point guard as a solo point guard lineup, game really went out of hand. Um, the Raptors, I'm not even kidding, didn't get a single good shot. And there were a couple plays there that really disappointed me. Okay, so first off, first opportunity for Scotty, right? This is uh, like 35 seconds left on the clock. The Celtics just scored. Raptors have the ball. They give it to Scotty, right? 
you first off in that situation, you got to make sure as a point guard, you get a two for one opportunity. The Raptors always get two for one opportunities. Now, of course, two for one opportunities doesn't necessarily mean you get two great shots. But the whole idea is you take a shot in the you create a shot in the first five to seven seconds in that scenario so that you can get two shots at it. Very simple thing. Right. Two for one. Right. Every 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 decent point guard should be able to get you a two for one opportunity. Right. We saw, literally saw Kyle Lowry here for like almost a decade doing that every single time. Obviously not comparing Scotty, who is a second year player in preseason right now versus Kyle Lowry, literally the greatest Raptor of all time, but still basic tenant for a point guard. You got to get a two for one opportunity, right? They dribble around at the top of the floor. They run the dribble weave, whatever. I'm like, okay, this is going to shave a lot of seconds off the clock, or maybe Scotty catches the ball and just, you know, puts up a, a three or, you know, he kicks it out for somebody for a quick three, right? No, the whole opportunity blows up. So it's like, okay, Oh, at least get himself a good shot then, right? So two for one's off the table. Raptors don't get that opportunity. Scotty doesn't really take the chance. Now he's ISOing at the end of the game. And he's got Brogdon on him. More time than he really need, like had because the two for one already passed. It's like 22, 21 seconds left on the clock. And probably um, in the game clock, probably like 10 seconds left in the Raptors' possession. And Scotty in this moment decides to drive one step inside the three-point line for an unbalanced mid-range pull-up against Malcolm Brogdon. And it, it, it was nowhere near dropping in the basket. It was pretty much a brick. And uh, the Celtics were able to go the other way and score in transition. That's part of why the Celtics won the first quarter was the raggedness at the end of that game. Okay, like, okay, fine. You know, it's a tough situation, I guess. You know, you're obviously under pressure, whatever, right? Let, let's see what happens in the second quarter. You got the timeout. Obviously, uh, you know, between quarters, you can regroup there and they can call a couple more plays, maybe see what, 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 what Scotty does, right? Comes out second quarter, he has a chance to attack Noah Vonley in isolation. And instead of taking Noah Vonley off the dribble and, and trying to, you know, angle his way, and again, this is isolation. Like, it's not like the Celtics were doubling the ball the way the Raptors do, right? We're talking about baseline one-on-one against a center. And instead of Scotty attacking that center, and, and listen, I'm not saying that he needs to like score one on three or anything, but at least you have to explore that advantage, right? The way Pascal would, the way even Fred would, you attack that mismatch, you see how the defense, you know, is able to sort of draw into you, and then you kick it out. Again, very standard point guard stuff. Instead of even taking one or two dribbles to try to attack Noah, he immediately swings it out to Precious, who was not really open for a three. Uh, and and Precious misses the three from the top. Bad shot once again, right? And and there were just so many plays. Like, I literally, I watched that whole period, and I was trying to just count, okay, how many decent shots do the Raptors get? Because it's not necessarily about, you know, what, um, you know, a point guard can necessarily always influence the offense to, to score all the time, right? Like, sometimes you create good shots, but they just don't drop. Raptors did not get any good shots except for one in that four-minute stretch, and that was Precious collecting an offensive rebound, taking a coast-to-coast, very impressive play. Precious was, a, was great once again. He's able to score the layup. But it was so bad that Nick, after four minutes, called timeout himself. The Raptors were probably gave up like an 11-0 run during that stretch, or 11-2, I guess, with Precious' layup. And immediately, Scotty goes uh, to the bench, and you got Pascal and Fred coming in. And that was disappointing to me, man, because, again, like, I know it's just preseason. I know the circumstances were great. Let's let's say the spacing wasn't strong, right? Like, Celtics were able to really, uh, you know, collapse in the paint. But I need to see more if you're given that opportunity to run point. Like, that that's exactly what people have been calling for, right? Let's let Scotty run point. Let, let's put Fred off the ball. Let's put Pascal off the ball. Let's just let Scotty run point. Let's get him his 22, 8, and 5. 
I don't know, man. That was a zero, zero, zero uh, in that performance. So we need to see better from that. And luckily, I think for Scotty, he's able to respond better in the second half. Uh, he was able to what, post up and pivot around Grant Williams, which is not easy, man. Grant is like, you know, the, the thumb monster from from Spy Kids. So it's, it's a little hard to get around him. Um, but uh, Scotty, good footwork there and good strength to, 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 you know, get his elbow past the defender in the post and then score for the layup. Then he had an end-to-end layup driving around. Jason Tatum, who I thought was just dogging it defensively, still a very good game for Tatum, but just not not effective defensively. Uh, he was able to switch hands midair for a layup, which was nice to see. But yeah, I needed to see more, and I'm sure Nick will give him more opportunities, not just in preseasons, but in the regular season as well, before Scotty gets to run point. But it cannot look like that. It, this was so disappointing to watch that stretch, and I'm serious. Go back and watch the possessions. Last minute of the first quarter, through about three minutes into second quarter, and just count how many good shots Raptors had. Open opportunities, open layups, open threes, anything like that. Now, the disappointing thing is the starters came back in, and they also continued this this poor play because uh, th- there were just lots of opportunities where, you know, the Raptors were ISOing. There were a lot of ISOing going on, which I'm not too surprised, even just based on that that Utah game, where, again, the starters didn't really create that much separation against the, the Jazz's starters. Same kind of situation here where the Raptors were, you know, Mostly trying to run ball screens to force switches and attack those switches, right? It's a very, you know, normal way to play offense. It's a very, uh, it makes a lot of sense with this group. However, what you're basically saying is that you need to find the weak spot in the lineup. And unlike against Utah, where you, obviously there are lots of weak spots of attack, you know, Kelly Olenek's on the floor, like Laurie Markkinen's on the floor, like they got small guards, right? Like, like Colin Sexton's on the floor, like... You, you can create a lot of – well, Mike Conley's on the floor. Like, basically, the whole team is not going to be good defensively. Um, against the Celtics, not easy, man, especially against the Celtics starting five. Like, I don't, I don't really know where the mismatch is. Like, Marcus Mark can pretty much guard everybody, right? He's the defensive player of the year. Um, you know, say what you want about that award, but still, like, there's undeniable Marcus Smart's a very good defender. Derek White is long. He's, he's pesky. You know, he's smart. Not easy to score against him. Al Horford moves his feet pretty decently unless it's against Steph Curry. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are literally those, like, classic switchable forwards that the Raptors would love to have. So where are the mismatches there? And so what you ultimately saw was a lot of, like, ISO drives that weren't really going anywhere. They weren't getting calls because this is preseason and also this is TD Garden. Got to get used to that. Um, And, you know, the Raptors were playing bad offense uh, and they were shooting two of 18 from three. So... You know, the, it kind of bled into their defense. And the, def- uh, the defensively, I mean, like, I mean, the Celtics really just shot the lights out from three. I know it only says 16 of uh, 52. Um, but, man, when you look at guys like um, Sam Hauser getting left open for eight threes, um, like, he was torching the Raptors. So there was a pretty big gap heading into the second half where obviously that's when some of the starters stopped playing. The Celtics, you know, played their starters for a little bit. Raptors played some of their starters. Fred didn't play the second half. I'm not entirely sure why. Um, And yeah, that was kind of it. You know, you saw uh, sort of a more continuation of that. The Raptors weren't really eating into the deficit too much. I would say in terms of the starters, the only two positives for me were OG and, 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 uh, and to some small extent, Gary, I think with Gary, it was nice to see him getting into the mid-range. It seems like that was a point of emphasis. He was really making hard drives and then uh, stopping on a dime for the mid-range jumper. 
it's a shot he can make. It's a shot that honestly he's actually pretty good at. It just doesn't look the smoothest because he's kind of small and he's not that quick and he's not shifty with the dribble. So it doesn't really create that much separation. So he's mostly taking contested shots. However, his touch is so good and he's such a good shooter that he's able to make it work. Like he was able to like drive hard and stop on a dime three times and he did it once against Jalen Brown. Uh, who's bigger and longer than him. And he did it twice to to Derek White, who was also bigger and longer than him, right? So Gary does have that skill. Um, and it was nice to see that. Uh, it was also nice to see OG use his strength because there's three occasions I counted where he was able to outmuscle Jason Tatum, which I'm a little surprised by. I think, honestly, watching the totality of the game, Tatum wasn't playing that hard defensively. Again, you don't expect him to. Um, but, you know, the first play I saw where OG bumped Tatum on a drive Tatum took the foul to prevent the shot uh apparently was on the floor even though that was clearly a shooting opportunity okay no free throws whatever right two possessions later OG I know gets the possession against uh Tatum once again bumps him uh, out of the way and scores the layup right and then a couple more plays after that the the Raptors run uh, some off ball action uh, OG gets switched on to Tatum again and OG takes his opportunity once again bumps Tatum uh, and then this time he's able to create enough space for the step back jumper from about 18 that he's able to make. So there were some positives there from those two guys. But yeah, I don't know, man. Pascal, I mean, honestly, when looking at the final scoreline, he actually was OK. 13 points, six rebounds and assists to steal. Uh, the thing is, like the three turnovers, a lot of playing in a crowd, a lot of the Celtics sort of like anticipating his moves. Again, this is a matchup that the Celtics have. I, I don't to be honest, I don't I don't particularly care to analyze too much of pascal versus the celtics it's 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 not his boogeyman matchup because we've seen him have good games but at the same time you know it, it does make me a little bit scared when, when that specific matchup happens and then fred honestly a boogeyman matchup for fred as well man uh first off he took 12 shots in uh, 19 minutes that's that's quite a few and the second part is like a lot of those were him attacking switches and he weren't really making that much out of it um which again that's why probably why the raptors want to shift some possessions around to Scotty and Pascal. But listen, if Pascal's struggling, if Scotty's also really struggling, um, you know, Fred's got to take some shots. Uh, unfortunately, just didn't make too many. So that's the depressing part of the game. I think the positive parts, which are, are, are actually, you know, um, to me, really encouraging. So number one, I thought, um, yeah, the third unit came in and played great. And of course, you might say, well, of course, this is not important, Will. Like, this is the first and second units are way more important. I totally agree. All I'm trying to say is the exciting part of the game from the Raptors' perspective was when the third unit came in. And it specifically started with Delano Banton and Christian Coloco uh, coming into the game. Four minutes left in the third quarter. I'm really disappointed that Nick didn't really give Delano more run than this. Um, I understand that uh, you want to get your starters out against the Celtic starters. Honestly, it was a very uh, aggressive game. Both teams were playing physically. And the effort was there for the most part, especially for preseason. Um, but you know what? Listen, Malachi's not in the game, man. Malachi's literally sitting out uh, with the power scouter on his head. And so it's like, you got to go for Delano in that situation. That's your backup point guard. So he didn't play him until four months up in the third quarter. Um, did a lot better, though. Man, De- Delano came in to change the game immediately. Like, I'm literally talking about immediate impact, right? Comes into the game, immediately drives through the entire defense for layup right catches the defense off guard and this is the thing for me it's like the celtics really invite you to drive because they're they're like you know what we're not really seeing that much from you from three we're kind of pinching from all the corners too so if you do ultimately drive um we'll probably collapse on you however what i was begging for from the starters was like okay you move the ball quick and then you attack off the catch because they're always sagging 
And then you're able to sort of like either catch them backpedaling or catch them in slight rotation and you have an opportunity to drive. The Raptors just weren't moving the ball quickly. A lot of stagnant ISO offense didn't really work out. Delano comes in, immediately the ball swings to him. He takes a hard drive, um, you know, what, two defenders, he's able to split and he's able to score at the basket immediately, okay? Let's, I'm talking about the first possession of the game ball after checking in. And then the first defensive play after checking in, um, the Celtics run some like, I don't know, maybe Spain pick and roll, whatever, like stack, like two, two you know, screens at the top of the floor. Uh, I think, I think, was it, maybe it was, I think it was like a double drag and, and like with, with two screeners at the top of the floor rather than the, the Spain pick and roll with like the screen, the screener in the middle of the floor kind of thing, but whatever, right? The Celtics are running pick and roll and Delano is able to pick the defender create the loose ball, and then he's able to out-hustle three Celtics to get to that loose ball to secure the steal, right? Great play. Raptors able to score on that possession. Then another play, you know, like two, three possessions after that, he catches the ball nice through the entire defense for a layup. Then another loose ball opportunity, he dives on the floor and he wins possession for the Raptors. Uh, like that immediately was like an eight-point swing. Like it literally, as soon as he came in, it was an 11-0 run for the Raptors. And also, the other part of that is Christian Coloco checked in at the exact same time. And Christian, I thought, played really well. Um, was opportunistic with his offense, as you would expect. He's not a shot creator. However, he did create a shot out of the post. Uh, he, he got the ball in the post, a mismatch against Derek White. And uh, he was just able to calmly use his size. Obviously, he's got like half a foot, if not more, against Derek. And so he's able to just turn and go up for the hook shot. He was able to make that. He had another play where he caught the ball in the dunker spot off a nice pass from Juancho. Uh, the Raptors get the offensive rebound. The Raptors have a three and two advantage. Juancho does an up fake, lifts his defender, a uh, little dump off pass to uh, Christian, who's able to put in the little hook shot once again. And then Christian also nailed a baseline jumper off a cut, which was really interesting to see. Um, so those two guys immediately changed the game. And then Delon also had another great play where he, what, end of the, it was one of those possessions where nothing was really there and you have to create something as a point guard. And then unlike Scotty, who passed it out against Noah Vonley, he's like, okay, what? I got my assignment here. I'm the point guard. 10 seconds after I got to organize the offense, nothing was there. I'm going to attack my man and see what happens, right? And he just attacked Sam Hauser, got into the middle of the floor, stopped on a dime, and, and nailed the mid range pull up. Very, very smooth from Delano, man. Very, very smooth. Um, so I just thought he played really well. Um, he also had another play later in the fourth quarter where a show and go drive and he was able to finish through contact against a seven footer through contact at the rim for an and one. So I thought Delano played great. I'm, I'm not going to keep you. I, but Delano is going to be the first star for me, man. He, he changed this game entirely because at, at first I was like, why am I waking up early on vacation to watch this? Uh, still asking myself that question, by the way. But, um, you got Delano coming in. I thought Josh Jackson also was a game changer. He made a number of great plays. So, look, the thing with him is just I don't think the three-point shot is there for him. And when you look at his, like, uh, career in the NBA so far, his three-point shot hasn't really been there for him. He's, like, low 30s if he's even cracking 30% for his career from three. So, it's reassuring to me that he's turning down some threes, even though I would want him to do that. Because he does have, a, like, an actual smooth scoring um, ability in terms of his drives, like he he's decently athletic. He wouldn't say he's like game changingly athletic, but he's able to like, you know, he has got the coordination and some quickness and some size and a tiny bit of strength to like get into the lane and make a play. And he's, he was able to do that consistently. And that's where he got most of his baskets to, to drop. He even had a very smooth spin move. I think this was an overtime where he drove 
I was pushing the break and then, yeah, immediately went into a spin move around his defender and was able to finish easily with the finger roll. And I was like, damn, that's Pascal-esque in terms of that specific play. So I thought Josh Jackson has been a standout in the two games so far. Uh, And honestly, the third unit has been a standout in general. But uh, I mean, pretty much everybody who came out the bench played great. Like I'm talking about like Jeff Dowden comes into the game, immediately nails three mid-range jumpers, right? And it's like, okay, this is him operating the pick and roll as a point guard. And uh, you know the you know the defense is coming over to him, uh, and 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 they're playing drop because he's mostly playing pick and roll with Kem Birch, right? So they're like, okay, we're not really worried about Kem popping for three, although they should have been, by the way. But um, you know, defense was sort of inviting Jeff and giving him that space in the mid range, and Jeff's like, I'm a great three, I'm a great mid range shooter, and so he was able to knock down three of those mid range jumpers. On top of at the end of the game, the Raptors were down two, um, and and they needed to score to force overtime. Uh, first possession to give the DJ Wilson, drove it hard into the paint, got a shot at the rim, missed it, but the Raptors were able to uh, crash the offensive glass, which obviously you need to do in that situation, and the Celtics couldn't def- secure the rebound. Tip out goes to the Raptors. The, they got possession. Second chance at the opportunity to tie. They give it to Jeff, and Jeff's uh, able to come off a screen, switch, uh, attack onto the Celtics big, and he's able to make a hard drive, get into the middle of the floor, and stop on a dime for a jumper, and so... Uh, that was a, a very clutch play from Jeff. But honestly, again, everyone played well, man. Everyone who came in. Kevin Burge came in. A lot of great um, screen assists. Got the little floater to drop, the little meme floater. But also got a corner three to hit late in the fourth quarter. Hit a top of the floor three in the overtime period as well. Super unselfish, setting up dribble handoffs and stuff like that. Kem played great um, offensively. Weirdly enough, defensively, every time Kem came in, Celtics l- immediately latched onto him and attacked him in, in switches, whether that was uh, Peyton Pritchard or even at earlier times like Jalen Brown, and they were able to score on him. Um, so I think Kem's defensive impact is sort of less than his offensive impact right now, but offensively, Kem really brought a lot of uh, order to the game. And, and honestly, as a true big, um, you kind of do miss that aspect because the Raptors really don't have that most of the game. Um Gabe Brown, two minutes left into the game. He literally immediately checks in. Okay, so two minutes left in the game. It's a one-point game. Uh, the Celtics are up one. Gabe Brown finally checks into the game with two minutes left. And immediately off, off a fast break where the Celtics missed, the Raptors push the ball. They give it to they push it ahead to Gabe. And Gabe has like a one-on-two fast break happening. Catches the ball. It sees his defender is like sagging back and worried about the drive. He immediately pops up for three and nails it. Like I'm talking about like he literally was in the game for like 10 seconds. And it's a one possession game. And you might say, well, it's preseason, whatever. That's that's confidence. That's real confidence right there. And he knocks down the three. Then like the next possession down, uh, Kem has the ball at the top of the floor. Um, Gabe is curling off a screen. Dribble handoff action. Kem drops it off. And Gabe sees the defense has dropped back. And he's able to immediately rise up for the, you know, for the for the two point jumper there as well. So just the confidence is overflowing from him. I thought Juancho came in and played a really nice team game, two really nice passes. The one I already described to Christian Poloco in the dunker spot, and also a hard drive uh, off a swing from Delano, attacks from the strong side corner, and then he threw a really nice pass. I honestly, it's one of those passes where even when you're watching the game and you can see it from like a, you know perfect perspective literally to see the whole play Wancho's throws a cross-court pass uh to the top of the floor for a three I think Frank I think uh Josh Jackson knocked down that three so just a really nice uh game from this third unit overall and that's largely the positives from this game this look the starters gotta you know figure their stuff out the first two games have not been impressive I'm not gonna lie to you but um yeah the, the bench was able to come in and, and flip the game and win the game in overtime um 
And listen, I don't care what context. Anytime you beat the Celtics, it's it's a good feeling. I don't care that it's preseason. So, in terms of your three stars, I already mentioned this, but Delano's going to get my first star. I thought he changed the game completely. Uh, you know, nine minutes, eight points, three rebounds, a steal. It doesn't really show his full impact. He was awesome in this game. He's getting my first star. Second star, I'm going to give that to Jeff Downton. Um, obviously, forced overtime, hit the biggest shot of the game. Five assists, no turnovers, 10 points in 13 minutes. Really set up the offense. A lot of mid-range jumpers, um, but, like, good reads. Like, I'm not saying that, like, mid-range jumpers are great, but when you are the point guard and you're coming out that screen and the two defenders are dropped back and you have that mid-range skill set, knock down the open shot. Take the shot just there to be, to, to be taken, man. I thought in terms of guys who ran the point well, Jeff was – right up there with Delano for the, the two best point guards in this game, which is slightly concerning. I'm not going to lie to you, but hey, listen, you got to give him some credit. Big shot there. And then third star, Josh Jackson, um, took the right shots, made the right read, 17 minutes, 13 points. I'm, I'm really impressed by him. I didn't really think he had a chance to really make the roster. But I mean, listen, if it's really a, like a competition in terms of like who could gets who plays the best in preseason gets it, you know, he's making a strong case here. And if I was Justin Champagne, I'd be a little concerned because first off, Justin has had two separate injuries now during the offseason, which forced him out of summer league action. And now we haven't seen him in preseason just yet because he's got another minor injury going on. And look, I, I think he has the edge. I think he has the inside position there to, to get it. I know Nick really loves him as well. So that's going to be really factor in. But you got to be sweating a little bit watching guys like this come in and play well. But uh Ultimately, the Raptors win. Uh, Gerald Henderson Award winner. That's going to go to Sam Hauser. My goodness, man. I know I heard on the low post, or maybe one of those pods was Zach Lowe and 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 uh, and Bill Simmons, where they were like, watch out for Sam Hauser. And I was like, man, classic Celtics-based, Boston-based people. And then immediately, the next game I see Sam Hauser, this guy's knocking down threes nonstop like he's Ray Allen or something. So, yeah, that was disappointing. 22 points from Sam Hauser. He was cashing every three. The Celtics were crowd or loving it you know, for obvious reasons. And yeah, it was honestly, it was hard though. Between Sam Hauser and, and literally White Iverson, Peyton Pritchard, like, man, it was, it was really tough to pick from, but I'm going to give it to Sam ultimately. So that does for the rag pod. Thanks everyone for listening. Once again, uh, we don't see these pods right after games. It's because I'm on vacation. And uh, yeah, if this pod goes on any longer, uh, you know, my relationship will be serious jeopardy. So thanks everyone for listening. Shout out to Alex for making two pods while I'm away. I know he's going to make more for next week and uh yeah Raptors uh, 2-0 in preseason uh, enjoy it